this is Captain Lee, and you're listening to the Andertons Podcast. Hey guys, it's the Captain here on another episode of The Captain Meets. And of course, look who we have got today. Tennille. It's the, in, in the most glorious color combination that we've ever had on the show. When you get a purple guitar, if, I, I wore black my whole last tour. And if I, if I used the purple guitar with a black outfit, you wouldn't see it. It would disappear. I suppose I could have gotten binding. Maybe that would have been the solution. But I didn't. So I got to get you know something to sort of contrast and... Anyway, I think it looks great. Well, look, if you're if you're not familiar with uh, with my my guests, this is Paul Gilbert, um, who I guess you know I, I'm. There was a bunch of guys that came up in the '80s as the sort of pioneers of that kind of guitar virtuoso rock music. You play one metal record and you're metal forever. Well, I wouldn't have said metal, but it's. I'm a Beatles okay. fan, but you know, look what happened. But you, so you and you, you were you were part of that 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 crew. Um, you know, for me, you know, for me, and I think uh, lots of other guitar players, um, you probably did a more towards perhaps a more musical and more sort of you know, based in perhaps more sort of, you know, 60s and 70s pop than perhaps some of the other guys. But that, anyway, look, it's Paul Gilbert. That, what am well, I talking about? Well, i got to introduce myself with, with, with yes. the import- something important. Do that then. Which is just to do this. <laughs> that, that's, and actually, that, that's just to get me warm, though. I, gotta, I get to do it where I have bigger emotions, like, you know, like, uh, let's see. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Okay, now we can talk. That's a great tone. Can so look, take us, take us back. I mean, I, I, I want to try and go through kind of everything really from sort of early inspirations to that, that made you want to be a guitar player through to, you know, what you're up to now and how the teaching thing's going and the touring and uh, being a dad and how that fits in with playing guitar and everything. But, you know, so back when Paul Gilbert was, you know, five or six years old and just, you know, perhaps some early memories of music, you know... What was happening in the world? Well, that's a good question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> when I was five or six, I, I thought guitars looked really cool, but I had no idea what they sounded like. Because, because all the records I had, the vocals were so much louder than the guitars. You know, if you listen to a Beatles record, you'd hear like the cowbell, the hand claps, <laughs> and the singing. Big harmonies. Yeah. And, and everything else. You know, once in a while, you'd get a riff. You're like... Or... You know, but... You know, the first time I really heard, like, guitar that was guitar was, you know... And, you know, especially the... Can you remember that? Because you're you're just about... You're just about, uh, you know, the right age to, to possibly have early memories of what that was like. But I suspect probably at that age you're not... Old enough to be aware of the, the yeah, impact. It's like the, the, the bands. When I was five, I was listening to the Osmond Brothers because they were right. on TV. Yeah. So and actually, the Osmonds had some great stuff. Like Crazy Horses. Crazy Horses is a um, tune, isn't it? But um, I heard I heard Stairway to Heaven on the radio when it came out. Yeah. And of course, most of the song was a ballad. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, some somebody singing about hobbits, and and then, uh, <laughs> then the end happened, and yeah. Robert Plant jumps up an octave and is, you know. <laughs> 
I'm like, whoa, what's that part? And suddenly there's this. And it's, you know, cool vibrato yeah. and the, with a. And that really caught my attention. So I bought that album. Yeah. And then heard Black Dog, like I played it earlier, and had uh, Mr. Steam Mountain Hop and all those tunes on it. So, you know, this is, this is back when I, you know, I couldn't afford to buy a lot of records. So it's, yeah. You know, there's six years old where you don't really have a job yet. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there would be, uh, like, radio specials. You know, they'd be like, you know, it's, uh, tomorrow night at, at 8 p.m., Led Zeppelin, two yeah. hours. Yeah. And I would get out. I didn't even know how to record what I, what I used to refer to as through the wires. Yeah. You know, so I would just tell my whole family, you got to be quiet <laughs> at 8 p.m. because I'm going to be in my room with the, with the little, you know, tiny cassette player oh, with a microphone. out the speaker. And yeah. I would be recording through the, you know, through the air. Awesome. And, and I would listen to that cassette, and that's the first time I heard, like... <laughs> Lemon song or the good times, bad times, and and I was just you know it was two hours of this just, yeah. just coming out of the radio for the first time, just blowing my mind completely. I'll never forget the first time I heard the lemon song with those accents that, and I was in front of my mirror with my fist in the air going. <laughs> I was so into it, and uh, my uncle was and actually still is a really great guitar player, and he could bend strings, and my and my guitar teacher either couldn't or wasn't very good at it, and to to have to be this close to somebody, and have them be able to go was. Was like that's I got to get that. And, and he was playing electric guitar, wasn't he? Yeah, well, yeah. actually, he had an electric. When he used to visit us, he'd just pick up my acoustic. Yeah. But I could still tell. Yeah. You know, <laughs> had it, and I remember thinking like Mick Ralphs from Bad Company mm -hmm. was kind of my goal in terms of like what a professional guitar player should be able to do. And I didn't, you know, I became a, like this fast person, but I didn't, that wasn't even on the map. I, would, I just wanted to be able to go like, uh, rock steady. Be able to control it and, yeah. you know, not be like, you know, uh, you know, just wanted to have that control. And it, it, it took years, but finally I kind of figured it out. So was, was there a point where you went from, you know, sort of playing, playing for fun to sort of going, actually something, this has had quite a profound impact on me now and I'm sort of going to take this much more seriously. When, you know, when do you think that happened? Uh, well, I, I took lessons when I was six mm -hmm. and I quit almost immediately because it was sight reading. Right. And which was just... And nursery rhymes. It was, yeah. And, 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 the, and the teacher, you know, he, he, I'm sure he played well, but it wasn't rock. Yeah. And I really wanted to play rock. So, um, so I, I decided to take drum lessons, and it was the same thing, like the Haskell hard drum method, you know, traditional grip, playing only on a snare. Yeah. And uh, so I just, you know, decided to, to buy a stereo, and I, I thought I'm six, I can wait. Yeah. So when I was nine, I, I I still had my acoustic, and I just started playing by ear. My technique was terrible; I only used one finger on my 
hand. I did all upstrokes. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I remember hearing Barracuda by heart. And I was doing all upstrokes. I'm going, like, that's the fastest thing. How do you do that? And uh, finally, I took some lessons. And, and with the teacher was pretty, my second teacher was yeah. much better. And, uh, you know, he turned me on to Black Sabbath and, and showed me downstrokes yeah. and showed me how to operate, how to, how to read chord symbols because I had this Beatles book. I remember it had a D chord, but I didn't know that the little X's meant don't play these. So I'm playing it going, it doesn't sound like the it's Beatles. Right, I found yeah. my teacher, oh, don't play those. And I'm like, oh, that, now it sounds like a chord. And he taught me a bar chord, which seemed impossible at first. Um, any the pentatonic scale. Were you in LA at this time, or is it you? Oh no, I was in rural Pennsylvania. Right. Okay. A good place to practice because there's not much else to do, <laughs> except worry about when you graduate from high school and have to like get a job doing hard labor. So that was sort of my my way out because I you know I don't have the arms for hard labor. <laughs> Maybe they <laughs> your, could grow, your back but it would just... be ruined, wouldn't it? By yeah. now, it's just like you don't have the low enough center of gravity for hard labor. Yeah, this is, this is I'm not built for that. But the hand, you know, these work pretty good for the for that kind of stuff. But none of that really exists because that that's what sort of fascinates me is you know when you when you look at the the sort of all the sort of the Hendrix Zeppelin uh, Sabbath stuff, which which was kind of just fast blues with more distortion on it. When did you really, you know, that next step for you? When who was inspiring that kind of? Well, of course, Eddie Van Halen. Of course, yeah. And 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 the whole, you know, getting three notes on a string instead of two because pent- pentatonic was, yeah. you know, not only a set of notes, but if you're a guitar player. There's a common way to play it, which you know everybody knows. That's, that's the box, that kind of thing. Yeah. But all of a sudden, Van Halen comes out with three notes, that, you know, the yeah. Van. Or, I just realized the one problem with these pants is the whammy bar gets caught on the pocket. Oh, in the cargo pocket. It, but, it's, but, you know, we're going to be standing up later. There's an oversight the to the, so. There you go, cargo pant manufacturers. Yeah, you're going to just lean back. There we go. So, so Van Halen, presumably, is coming on the scene when you're in your early teens, I guess, aren't they? Or maybe sort of yeah, mid-teens. I think I must have been, yeah, like 12, yeah. maybe even 11. 11 or, 11 or 12. Yeah. And I, and I switched guitar teachers, and I remember taking eruption into my teacher and saying, what's going on here? Yeah. And he showed me the... And I yeah. practiced that like, like every, you know... And you had an electric guitar by now, didn't oh, you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, was, I was sounding all right by, the, by yeah. then. Yeah. But I didn't know, you know, I didn't know this kind of thing. So I just, would, that was my lick for like, like yeah. two years. Do it all that fast, but I remember we, we you know, the cover tunes, I'll never forget. We do like Alice Cooper, School's Out. It's this, you know, good And it was a good tempo to get that lick going, not super fast, but just to kind of get it strong. And I, you know, in time yeah. and sort of 
get just get it so it sounds good. Yeah. And that, that's that's the thing with the fast stuff is like it's it's not only playing it fast; it's actually getting retaining the tone and still yeah. having it be like sonically valid. I think that was the we're kind of jumping miles forward here. But the first time I um, got to see you play live was at an Ibanez clinic. Just, I think it was probably you may have still been in Mr. Big. You'd certainly had the big hit. Um, uh, yeah, and you played a clinic with an Ibanez guitar into a Laney stack and just a Boss DD3 delay pedal. Yeah, no other pedals, and I could not believe the um, the the fluidity, you know, the the, the evenness mm-hmm. of all the sort of notes and everything you were picking at ridiculous speed mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I guess that's that's when I. You know, it was one of the first ever times I think I began to see this idea of going from there's there's a point where the fingers can play the licks, but then there's a whole ton more practice goes in after that to get that. I like this question. Yeah, I don't even know what the question is. <laughs> it's a good point. It's not even a it's question. It's like a good cover. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> um, so let, let's go back to um, you, obviously you're in early bands, but you you quite uh, you were a Berkeley. Uh, or an MI team. Yeah, a GIT, a which, GIT is, which is under the umbrella of MI. Yes. So um, was that very much a formative part of you or were you kind of, you know, were you pretty tasty before you went into that and it was just sort of... I, I went at the, at the perfect time for, for me, yeah. which is I'd, I had already been playing for about eight or nine years. So I, you know, I was pretty ripping yeah. already. <laughs> um, but I had uh, everything I had learned was was primarily self-taught and learned from records, learned from playing from from bands, yeah. which really is the valuable stuff. But there's certain things that are easier to learn at school, and and those were music theory, ear training, uh, other styles, yeah. and just sort of getting things that would allow me to never be in a rut ever again. Yeah. And that was starting to happen, where I was starting to really. I mean, the good part about being in a rut is you sound like yourself and you have a style. Yeah. But the bad thing is you're stuck there and you can't get, ever get out of it and you might get tired of sounding like yourself. And just learning, I mean, we learned the harmonized major scale. You know, the... And that idea opened up what modes are. Not, not that I really, I was playing so fast at the time that, you know, <laughs> As to, as time's going on, I've learned that that any kind of harmonic message is about emphasis, and right. and with modes, it's about emphasizing certain parts of it. When you play as fast as I did then, there was no emphasis. <laughs> Everything got equal emphasis because I was burning through it. But anyway, um, it, it really gave me a language in which to communicate with the musicians and how yeah. to think about the fretboard, which you know to, to this day is really valuable to have. Yeah, I think I mean that's that's probably that first. It's good advice to anybody that's out there. I, I certainly know, you know, back in those days, the the, the, the music college at, in uh, that you went to was was almost unique in the world, wasn't it? You know, but you know now um, there are now there's there's Google there's, and YouTube. Well, and there's lots of good colleges, and I think you know guitar as a guitar, there's my online school at artist. We, we are going to talk about that. Yeah. Try, worry not. But you know th- this idea of of, of um, uh, taking a, 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 a like a, a high school or a you know a college kind of proper education in guitar is quite normal now, I guess, for people in in the UK. And I'm I'm wondering, you know, are there is there anything that you regret about that time, or was it all very positive? Uh, you know, what what because I think you know you're you're there for probably for most people you're there for maybe one year or two yeah. years, 
it's it's at an age where it's party time you know you're you're the right age you're probably in a band it's oh. pre- you know it's like so you don't want to necessarily come out the other side and just go what a way you know I had fun but and, you know what 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 kind of advice you know if you're if you've taken it that seriously well, well I was into it and I, and I was so happy to be going to a school where I was interested in what they were teaching mm. you know I was in high school before that and and it wasn't a you know it was a high school in a rural community in, in America so we yeah. we weren't learning you know, it wasn't the best school in the world, <laughs> and uh, it was it was boring. Yeah, and uh, and so finally, like everything that we were studying, I was interested in, maybe with the exception of sight reading. Mm-hmm. But even that, I thought, well, I'm here, I'll, I'll give it a go. So you know, I, I at least I you know I never became really fluent at it, but you know, I had to pass mm-hmm. the test, so I worked on that somewhat. And at least I, I got familiar with the language of it. And, and again, it gives you a different way to visualize things, so that was that was valuable. Um, but I would say the the thing that you know, I mean, everybody, every musician, I think it, it's it's okay to have your own preferences. You know, not everybody has to like what I like. But growing up listening to seventies AM radio and hearing, you know, I'm not in love, <laughs> but don't forget another silly thing I'm going through. Da, 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 da. Which is a keyboard song, yeah, and and realizing like I don't want to be dumb because I'm a guitar player. I, I want to know those smart chords that the keyboard guys know. Right. And I remember hearing Martha, my dear. I don't remember how to play it, but the, whatever the, 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 that song on the radio. And I grew up with that song. Right. Um, but I remember hearing it on the radio and thinking, if Paul McCartney had never written that. And suddenly I was walking along and the whole song just dropped into my head. I wouldn't be able to get it out because I'm not a piano player. Yeah. And I thought, that's just a, a crime. Because I, I want to I be good enough on my instrument where any idea that I get, I'm able to, to, to make, you know, bring to reality. Yeah. So I started figuring out all this piano stuff. And, and my chord knowledge from what I learned at GIT, how chords are put together, allowed me to figure out, you know, I was really into Todd Rundgren or... Or the Beach Boys stuff, but I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. Make you so sure about it. And that chord, the minor seven flat five, which is actually a substitute for the for the F sharp seven. Um, that that I, I started using for my own song when I was doing the. That came from learning Beach Boys and Paul McCartney or the My Love Doesn't Go. It's even in the same key. That's like the, the magic uh, A sharp minor seven flat five thing from, from McCartney and Brian Wilson. It's, fu- it's funny for me. I mean, again, I, I've gone from being, um, I've gone from thinking that the most impressive guitar players are the ones with the, all the chops yeah. to going now, it's all about the chords. <laughs> you know, it's all about pick the right chords. Do, well, that's for writing. Nice, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you want to be a writer, and, it's a, and there's different kinds of writers. I mean, you know, if you want to play, uh, there's a whole, basically every, all heavy metal like past about 1989 is, I don't know anything about it. 
Right. And I know there's these, you know, I'll, 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 like the <laughs> band I just played with, my solo band, uh, the bass player, uh, you know, he, he's a younger guy, so he, he knows a lot of this stuff. He's telling me about, like, oh, my sugar will, like, blow your mind. you got to go see him. And I'd listen to it and just go, like, I'm, I'm not ready for that kind of harmony. Yeah, because I'm, uh, you know, just my my musical DNA was shaped around the Beatles and '70s AM yeah. pop hits. I mean, you're the captain. The first thing I thought was, and I'm Tennille. You know, <laughs> love, you know, love will keep us together. Neil Sedaka song. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> and and the, um, you know, like I mean, that's uh, the music that I play for my boy. I'm I'm playing him Neil Sedaka song. You know, I want him to know laughter in the rain. And, it's, a good, uh, it's a good upbringing then. Which, what key is that one in? Uh, is it C? I guess. Walking along country road with my baby It starts to rain, it begins to pour Is that the right? I see the warmth of a hand in my laughter in the rain You know, they're just those kind of changes. I just, I can't begin to... Are you... Are you is your is your guitar sort of level just at that thing where you're as long as you can hum the chord, your fingers are just going to what the well, chord I, is? Well, I've or? worked on that. I know. I, I <laughs> don't get me wrong. I know it's all because of practice. It's yeah. not. It's not some in you know yeah. ability that you've and, born. And again, with. and again, before but, I went to to school, I wouldn't be able to figure that out. Yeah. I remember just understanding what a seventh was. Because you know, I grew up with the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, and and even although Van Halen was more sophisticated guitar playing, you know, he would just take in a simple chord and arpeggiate it, you know. You know it's still A minor and G. Yeah. And, uh, and so to start to learn the sound and, and how to find it on the neck of a, of a major seven, I remember the, when I learned that at school, thinking like, there was one Led Zeppelin song that had that, that uh, was it, um, but the beginning. Yeah. some chord and then or, and I remember playing that learning that from a Led Zeppelin tune but I had no idea what it was and then when it was sort of when I had a name for it and, and spent a little more time getting in my ears I sort of realized oh that's Elton John <laughs> Benny and the Jets you know. and it's heavy then he's got this heavy groove stomping and then it So, you know, it's just, are you the best covers band in the world, bar none? Is it literally? Do you just turn up and any wedding bar mitzvah anything? You just go, just write down any song that you want, and I'll just play it for you. As long as it's sometime between <laughs> 19, between 1964 and 1984. After, well, the, after that, I know a little bit of Queensrÿche and Kings X. <laughs> Maybe in, in the 90s, it was uh, 90s. I was into the girl singers, like I right. learned a little Janet Jackson, like Escapade. Or with, I don't know uh, you know, moment, yeah. um, and uh, Katie Lang, a little bit of the Wild Hearts because they were an okay. awesome rock band, and they had great chords. Like <laughs> that's like a D major six, I think. Go where the people go by, by yeah, Wild I Hearts. I remember the band, but again, I haven't. No one's, I'm not, haven't even thought about them for twenty years plus. Or great chords in that band. Cool. So look, let's go into you know you you had a. a, a you know, fairly sort of meteoric rise, didn't you, to sort of the spotlight, you know, from leaving GIT and going into 
uh, Racer X and then and then Mr. Big. Uh, it was gradual but steady. Oh, was it? So it was. I, I seem to think it sort of happened quite quickly. But what was what was that time period? Well, it was, it was quickly, but it was not as quickly as like joining. It wasn't as quickly as like Randy Rhodes being an Aussie sure. and suddenly playing yeah. theaters. You know, it was Racer X. A lot of you know years of clubs. Oh, okay. And uh, and then Mr. Big. Well, club tour, and then you know we we got uh, a little little better in Japan, and then the next album, you know, kind of the same thing, and then finally towards the end of the run, you know, we had the acoustic battle that became yeah. a big hit. Yeah. But that was like you know by that time the record company had given up on us, you know, oh, really? we we were just ready for the trash bin. I almost and thought we, that we Mr. lucked out at the last yeah. second. Yeah. I almost thought Mr. Big was almost kind of like a. A, a, sort of like a super group almost predestined to stardom just because of the well in, in guitar circles yeah. you know we were you know we, we could you know it was Billy Sheehan and me yeah. so we, we could get in, into guitar magazines but you know our goal was was global domination you know it's <laughs> a you know we still didn't really have a hit in, in terms you know on the same level yeah. that's you know we didn't have we didn't have a top 10 rock yet. no it wasn't like a Bon Jovi or yeah a, we didn't have a living on a prayer no. or anything like that so you know, to be with you was the first thing, yeah. and in a way, maybe the last thing. <laughs> but uh, it, it opened up the doors internationally. We did really well in Indonesia and Japan, yeah. and, and we can still go over there and play stadiums. It's amazing. And you know, again, were there anything during that that period that you think, ah, oh, you know, I wish we hadn't done that, signed this. You know, anything that the, the, the guys maybe just starting out, guys or girls starting out, might just sort of think, oh, that's you know, wise it, words. It. Um, the hair was, I mean, I, I really wanted big hair. I remember showing, showing the Kiss Alive 2 album to my mom and pointing at Paul Stanley and going like, how can I get this to happen? And, you know, so she recommended getting a perm. And I got a perm and I looked, immediately looked like Pete Willis from Def Leppard. And I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. And you can get perms maybe two or three times before your hair just gets all gringly. Is that even a word? I'll have to take your word. Yeah. It, but yeah. And, and it just starts sort of falling off. And, you know, the, the chemicals take over. And, and by the time I actually moved to L.A., when, when it was, this is 1984, mm-hmm. you know, big hair is really the thing. Prerequisite. And, and yep. all my hair had been gringled away, to use my imaginary word twice. Uh, and I remember walking into Guitar Center in, in Hollywood and the guy behind the counter, you know, the the, say, the clerk, yeah. was like a lion. You know, just had <laughs> had, a, had this beautiful mane of golden locks, and and I remember just going like, oh, I don't have a chance. And and it took me like two or three years to to, to finally get my hair back. And then <laughs> it was great. You know, we had like about two years of Mr. Big of the big hair, and then Nirvana and Pearl Jam came out, and the big hair wasn't cool anymore. No, not cool. And it's like. I had to work so hard to get this, and now it's not cool. You know? But it's, in, in the end, it's fortunate for me because you know, just genetically, I can't really. It won't do that anymore, and and so it, it's it's you know, I have to thank Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all the stuff in the in the nineties because it sort of made it okay to not be to have the leather, you don't have to have the leather cape and look like David Coverdale all the time, which is great because I I just don't have. You know, DNA was not kind to me in that regard. So uh, it's, it's okay to be me, I guess. I hope, hope so. Well, I, so I suppose if there is a nugget of advice in there, it's okay to be me. Is, yeah, is exactly. The, is the advice. It's okay to be David Coverdale too. I mean, and if I if I could, I, I may not say that. I'd be like, you have to be like David Coverdale because look at this. He know. does have exceptionally fine hair. And, and I got. <laughs> I don't 
I know my white snake too. You do. We were with Bernie Marsden on Friday night. Oh talking yeah. Talking old white snake the, stories. The, the, the and original stuff. stuff. Yeah, what was the cover? Did they cover Day Tripper or some? They, they covered some Beatles song way back in the, like the Bernie Mars oh, day. I, I remember know. seeing it on YouTube and going like, wow, I can't believe they did that. I just I just know that 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 is probably one of the one of the um, ultimate instances of uh, how you can completely reinvent a band just visually you know it's just yeah. like you know same songs just basically massive makeover and then all of a sudden boom just you know so the big hair you see sometimes it obviously is critical it's uh it, back then it was I mean, and there would be those bands with like the one guy like extreme the drummer yes. had short hair and I remember, you know, during the era, sort of going like, I don't know about yeah. that guy. He doesn't fit, you know. <laughs> oh, there we go. This is probably, actually probably the best advice. We realize how utterly superficial yeah, pedals, the music guitars. industry. It's all about the look, isn't you it? Know, big hair. Condition the ends. <laughs> actually, the funniest thing, when I first moved to L.A., you know, I grew up in this little town. I get out to L.A., and the first musical celebrity I meet is Oz Fox, the lead guitar player from Striper. Right. If you don't know, you know Google, do a Google image, Google image search, huge hair. And what did I ask him? Like, oh, it's great to meet you, man. How do you get your hair like that? <laughs> the first question I ever asked a celebrity musician was about hair. I love it. Anyway, let's go on. So, I mean, obviously your, your journey after Mr. Big, you, you've had a, a successful kind of, you, you know, you're doing lots of... Um, promotional work with Ibanez and clinics and stuff like that. And, and I know um, you did the G3 thing, which was obviously massive for a time, but when did your, uh, when did you begin to sort of think your love of sort of teaching sort of come through? And when did you sort of think to yourself, that's, that's gonna become a big part well, of what it, I Well, it do? paid the rent at first. Mm. Um, and uh, it's, it, it wasn't something that I ever tried to do, but it was always something that people responded well to and you know, if if you do something and people like it, it's 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 you uh, yeah. tend to continue. Um, it, it was funny though that my my first official teaching job was at GIT, which mm-hmm. was fantastic. It was like because I, I wanted to pay the rent, yeah. And uh, I got to stay in the building, which was a really inspiring place to be because just the vibe was there. And uh, my first gig was doing private lessons, went great. And then they they decided to promote me to a classroom teacher. And I taught a, a, a class called Single String Technique. And there was a curriculum that I was supposed to go through, and I did. And then I would, I would go through it as quick as I could, and then I, and then I would say, but check this out! <laughs> and, and I would rip through all my three-note-per-string stuff that I was just on fire with at the time. And, uh, and I would come out of that class every day thinking, like, I am the best teacher in the world. You know, I, just, I just played so well and inspired everybody. And about two weeks later, I got a call from the from the office, and they called me. And I bet they're going to give me an award, you know. And they said, like, Paul, we're getting a lot of complaints from the students, and we're going to have to fire you from that class and put you back as a as a one on you know one on one instructor. And I, I couldn't have been more surprised. And what I'd been doing was showing off and not paying any attention to if the students were actually getting it or not. Yeah. And uh, that was a big lesson as a teacher. The other lesson as a teacher that I had, which was when I was a student of the Japanese language and tried to learn how to speak Japanese. Right. And 
for the first time in my life, I really spent time with being bad at something. And there are a lot of things I'm bad at, but usually if I'm bad at something, I'd quit right away because <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, it's just no fun. You know, ice skating. I knew <laughs> one foot on the ice. Nope. <laughs> that, like a it. Bambi moment, was it? Where yeah, you were just like, that, yeah, they're not going to do that. You know, American football, no. You know, <laughs> but um, but Japanese, I, I really, it's like I'm bad at it, and I'm going to keep going. And so, and I had a lot of teachers, and the thing that surprised me was that uh, that I liked to to learn at the lesson, mm-hmm. as opposed to get a bunch of information and take it home and study it by myself, and. Uh, it, that that's that that surprised me. I, I always thought like you know, as a teacher, you just load up the student, you know, take all this stuff, go home, come back with it. And I, I couldn't do that as a, as a. I mean, when I was thirty five, when I was studying Japanese, mm-hmm. and I, I I did some of that, but I found that I could learn so much more if I studied with the teacher, and mm-hmm. and they could sort of spot my mistake my mistakes on the spot. Um, but mostly, I just learned humility. So you're just trying to so you translate that. One of the things that I want you to try and show me, because you are going to, um, you were talking before we rolled the camera about how important you're trying to reintroduce oh, the thumb yeah. I've into, got a mission. into the playing. It's a mission. Now, I would love to, I'm going to grab my, or a guitar. It is my guitar, but a guitar. Because I struggle, um, and I wonder if there's just fundamental technique. I certainly, oh, thank you very much. I certainly didn't learn, you know, I don't play I don't have a classical sort of grip or anything like that. Yeah. So I'm quite comfortable to have my sort of... But I, I struggle to... I know I'm fretting it, but I don't feel secure. And I also feel I've got to kind of overcompensate to get the thumb on. So I'm talking about the thumb here. My mission is the thumb. Yeah, this would be my... That would be my... You know, my natural grip doesn't get the thumb over enough. So is there is there a technique? Well, let me, let me yeah, show you. you. The, I should just plug into a different amp oh, in that way. Yeah. We can do that. We have the technology. Yeah. Okay. Well, while you're doing that, I'll, I'll, I'll show you what you do, which is uh, you, you have to play one note, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start you off with the easy one. Yeah. Which is E. Are you charging me for this lesson, by the way? Just just want to be clear. I, I did already. That, that cable you gave me. <laughs> That's true. I swapped you that cable. You wrote me a, a, a power cable for my compressor, which needed 18 volts. So I, I'm working that off. Right. Washing dishes and and, and giving lessons. So play this E with. And then, you know, as, as you do, support it. So you got three fingers on one note and the thumb on top. So just one note. The, the low E right here. Oh. With your third finger. Oh, sorry, with my third finger. Yeah. There you go. So here's what you want to do. You want, you, want, you want that note to come out, yeah. but you want to, with some level of violence, mm-hmm. hit everything. But, but only that one note come yeah. out. Oh, that's hot. You did it. Yeah. Okay. Now you've got a clean tone, which is yes. helpful. Can you can you get some more distortion? Yes, on that? let me. I probably can. Hang on a second. Because uh, we're, we're doing rock here, so we we got to really be able to control the the fire breathing beast of distortion. Right. So I've got I've got gain. We're back oh, okay. in the room. We're, we're with back. Gain. We got some distortion. So so with both upstrokes and downstrokes. That's harder than it looks. What am I Big, playing? Big full, like with the elbow, like full extension. What so your I... ear is telling you what? 
that I'm hitting No, 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 you're getting a pitch. Somehow that's yes. getting in there. Oh, that's... Oh, man! This, I hate it where I sort of... You're hitting that one string, or are you just muting the other strings? I'm muting the other you're string. Well, the other I'm strings. hitting everything. You know, basically, yeah, so with this hand, I'm going. Everything. It is so, just a question of making sure that you're very consciously muting the other five strings. Well, you're conscious of it now. Yes. But. If, if, if you do that every day, it becomes a habit. Yeah. And it's the best rock and roll habit you can have for cleaning up your, not, not just single notes, but your, your fast stuff. Yeah. So, for, for example, if you're, if you're doing a fast thing, like let's say you're doing, uh, let's see. I'm going to warm up my hand a little bit. Like, uh, now, I ended on that G note. Listen to the B string. So it's it's muted because it. I'm always muting whatever is around my fingers. Now, here's the, the next step of what I showed you, is you just go through your pentatonic scale. Or you put a chicken in between, like... And you just want to be loose and uncareful. I mean, yeah. if you look at any, like, photos of Jimi Hendrix or Satriani, they're, they're not doing this. Yeah. You know, their arm is up here. You know, you see Hendrix and he's like, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so here's the, the one next thing that, I, so I don't, I don't, you know, give you too much pain. Is that's relatively easy to do. Yeah. With some practice on the lower thick strings. Yeah. As you go towards the ground, it gets harder and harder because the thumb, it does have its limitations. Yeah. So if you want to do that on the high E string, you start to have to bring in this hand, and and check this out. Now, you, if you hit every string, it sounds like that. Yeah. But you can also do this. Yeah. Now I hit every string, but with this I stop them all. The trick is to to do this to the bottom strings, but let the top ones ring out, and that way. You can get a single, because you're doing some muting with this hand, yeah. but you don't have to mute the bottom ones. You just have to take care of the, the top ones. So so again, watch how far yeah. up above the string I am when I come down. And you might get a little bit of that Gary Moore thing yeah, in there, yeah. but that's, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. give that a try. So instead of going, you're going. And can you feel it? Yes, you, you it's completely. Got, it's, you, you, you know, I'm getting all excited yeah. here. So. And it's not that loud in here, is it? But it's, 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 that's the word. It's exciting. Yeah. It's that the tone and the, the guitar becomes And exciting. And that's kind of my, my mission, because yeah. from doing so much teaching, there's a lot of, of this, like, you know. <laughs> It's just not rock and roll, you know. It's, I mean, you know, we got to do it for Chuck. 
Yeah. Chuck Bay, you know, Chuck. Chuck, you know, he had the, the legs out and the, the moving around and, you know. And I, I can't do it. You know, I got too much distortion and he didn't even need that. You know, when you rock that hard, you don't even need distortion. So where can, th- this um, passion for teaching has obviously led you into a whole, you know, career into the world of YouTube and the Paul Gilbert experience and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, in a, like a, give it the 30 second pitch for that, you know, I mean, what, what, what's, what can people find out? Where can people find out about that? Well, I have a, an online guitar school. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm hesitant to tell you about it because okay. I just finished, I don't think I've told anybody this. I've, I've done over 5,000 personal video replies at yeah. my online school at uh, a company called ArtistWorks. Right. And it's, it's been, I've really enjoyed it, but it's been such a monumental amount of work that I kind of need a vacation. <laughs> I was like, oh! So it, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I do an average of three videos a day for the last five years with, you know, that, that's Christmas, that's my birthday, crazy. you know, weekends, you know. Um, so it, it's just an insane amount of work, but I, I, I do love it. Yeah. And the way the school works is uh, you join up and you don't have to send in a video, but if you want to, you can send one in. I watch it. And I, you know, with my, uh, <laughs> with, with, with my, uh, my, my critical yeah, eye and critical it, yeah. ear, yeah. I figure out what you need to, to make playing easier and better sounding and more fun yeah. and, uh, and rock more. <laughs> and then uh, I, I do a video reply yeah. and those are paired together for everyone who's on the site to watch. And the archives are there. You can, if you if you join up today, you can see the five thousand videos. There's a search feature, so you know you, you put in you know picking, yeah. and you know twelve hundred picking videos will come up. <laughs> um, and so uh, it's, I'm really proud of of. I mean, I mean, if I if I if today I never did a video another video again, there would still be an unbelievable amount yeah. of of information there. Yeah. But it is. I mean, I know the students there. We've gotten to know each other. The students that have been there for the whole, whole time, and I know them on a first-name basis. You know, it's, it's, so it's, it's, it's been a fun way to just have new musicians in my life because, you know, they, I might be sitting in the teacher chair, but it's really we're all musicians. We're all just trying to make it rock. Or, and if you're not, that's the thing. Yeah, well, that's a great <laughs> philosophy to have. And I've, I've always... I mean, I, I'm not a great student. I think I am... Um, your A chord sounded great. Thank you so much. Yeah. But I, it's, I, I'm not, a, you know, I, I, I've struggled. I have an attention span kind of issue, I think. It, it, and so it doesn't make me a great student. So I tend to just noodle the same over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I, I do know, I think I need to, I, I know that's my biggest failing. Um, but I did remember, again, taking away from, I think that when I, when I realized that of all the kind of the, 80s guitar heroes you know you were going to be one of my favorites if you like was was the uh, tuition video that you did I think it was not the first one but the second one you had the sombrero on with, and all the, the cheerleaders and tassels off the guitar yeah. and, and one of the things that that I could take away from that without really feeling like I had to, to sort of you know really really pay attention was your was your approach to, to breaking up everything rhythmically mm-hmm. and ima- imagine you had like a bass drum so that you know as you're playing whatever the solo or scale or anything or set of chords that you're playing instead of just you know playing to some sort of it mix it up yeah. you know and I think even now I, I'm still yeah I mean that must be a crikey that must be a 30 year old video isn't it you know 
yeah. well, 25, 30 years. Well, well, rhythm is, is, is a way to make yourself louder right. without actually being louder. Because instead of fighting the drummer, the drummer is now supporting you. You know, when he hits that snare, yeah. it's, it's lifting your note up because you hit it at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, you can play in between it, too. So I'll, I'll give you my, one of my favorite rhythm lessons. Mm -hmm. Highway to Hell. Have you heard the song? Yes. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a complicated rhythm. It starts in the end of three. One and two and three. And, and, and. and so does uh, Beethoven's fifth, by the way. One okay. and two and three. But anyway, the end of three is a great place to start. Right. And it actually ends on, well, it, 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 there's a long time before it get, actually gets to the one. But anyway, your, your rhythm, one and two. And, 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 little sets of three. Like, yeah. So, assuming you've heard that song a million yes. times, like most rock guitar players have, you know, first you play the rhythm. You make sure you can stomp it. One, two, three. Then you strictly, strictly, you can't change it. You use that rhythm for your solo. Right. So you go one and two and. vibrato but you know the the attacks yeah and you can sustain or it could be short or it could be long but the attacks have to be and anybody i showed that too when they try it they'll go like and like no no that's yes. that's not Stop, the same stop. rhythm yeah so you got to have this rhythmic target yeah and you got to hit it and and that's just just it doesn't have to be that one but just having yeah. any rhythmic target and being able to accurately hit the bullseye every time yeah. That's great. There's, there's definitely, definitely, there's something engaging about you that I suspect has, you know, meant that you've been a successful teacher. Because it's, I'm not, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I'm, the, I'm going, I need some lessons from Paul. You know, it's like, <laughs> I've sort of forgotten about the interview and I'm just, into, just thinking I'm having my own little private lesson. It's very, very cool. Look, I'm conscious of the fact that, um, you know, that there's a time, you know, time is pressing on. And I do want to just talk about gear. I know yeah. every, everybody's a huge gear junkie that watches this uh, show. The most important gear? Yes. Leathery fingertips. you got to get those calluses. When I'm at home, like I'm a new dad, so sometimes I don't have time to practice. Yeah. When I've got five minutes a day to practice, here's what I do. on an acoustic yeah just to you know get those lines in my fingers if i lose my calluses i've lost everything that's the most important gear but this stuff's cool too so what you know what is your how has your rig kind of changed i mean i know you've been a you've been a marshall user for as long as i can as long as i can remember you've been an ibanez guy although the the guitars changed a little bit over the <laughs> over the time uh, and you you've got a fairly simplistic approach to your pedal board i mean is, is this a is this a fairly typical paul gilbert rig or if you were out with a you know if you were doing a um, Mr. Big kind of reunion thing, would there be a 50 times bigger pedal board on the floor or, you know? It's, uh, well, I like to have a pedal board that will fit in my suitcase. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you, when you, sometimes when you do a tour, you have to do a carnet, mm -hmm. which is like a, like a passport for your gear. You've oh, got to okay. list it. And it's a pain. If you have pedals, you know, to have to like write down the serial number of every pedal. Mm -hmm. And usually I can't see it anyway because I put Velcro. <laughs> so I thought instead of 
you know, writing down the serial number for each one, I would just make my pedal board into the Superboard 3000. And, and just put a, a serial number on there. And that way on the carne, I can just write Superboard 3000 and, and I don't have to go through the individual pedals. And so the, um, that, that's the other thing is, is the most important part of my, of my pedal board is the Velcro. Because that way every day I can just swap stuff out and put it wherever I want. And that, that thing wherever you want is so important because look at the size of these boots. <laughs> and they're, um, you know those like midi Bradshaw yeah. things? There's no way that if I tried to hit my hit that pedal with this boot, I'd hit like five buttons at the same time. So I had to make sure that these are spaced out wide enough. This is really important because you know I'm singing yeah. when I'm playing. I, I don't have, I can't like sing and look down and like look a little. Be careful to hit it. You know, I've, I've got to have like a big space so I'm, I can sing and I can rock and I can <laughs> and I can hit that that pedal. So this is the ergonomic stuff that's important. You what know. what went into? Uh, I mean, again, JCM eight hundred. You know, that amp but hasn't really changed. The, the most important pedal. Yeah. Which unfortunately, I wish it looked better. I, I needed to get them to make a custom one. That is the Mojo Mojo. This has been like the heart of my distorted, overdriven tone. This through a Marshall. It's just crazy. It's, it's brown, is. so maybe it's the brown sound. It's really simple. There's nothing, you know, it doesn't explode or, or make weird it's noises. Like, it just sounds so good. And it's like 50 bucks or something, the Mojo. Mojo I don't know. Well, they, they once, you, once you buy one, that's all you need. But <laughs> it's, um, it sounds so good. I, I, I do wish it was some other color. But and it, do, you, do you play just over a straight, clean sound in the Marshall and get all the gain from the pedal? Or do you like to have gain from the amp and then I've been getting it? less and less gain from the amp because when I tour, a lot of times I get... Um, you know what do you call it like uh, the, the local gear mm -hmm. so i don't i don't i don't carry around my own amp mm -hmm. um and i found that if i use a relatively clean sound it's consistent yeah you know rather than having like the one magic marshal that i've got to have i can get just about any marshal as long as i don't have too much distortion they tend to have a similar sound yeah. that's a good sound a, a pedal platform if yeah. you will have you never um Never gone down the route, perhaps, of going, you know, down some of the new Digitech, uh, Digitech, digital, you know, whether it be Kemper or Max Effects. I've got a Kemper at home that I really like. Mm -hmm. the, the pedal board is oh, too, too close together. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Kemper. That's the we need the the Paul Gilbert signature pedal board. Same I, number of buttons, just I, this I, wide. I, I just okay. I, if it has four, that's fine, but it just have to be wide apart, and or just put them on Velcro. I have Velcro <laughs> mini switches. And then you could put them wherever you want. That's it'll come. It's it'll come. really important. Um, and has this, has uh, any, this board oh, yeah. changed much? Because obviously, I know you said it, the it Mojo changes Mojo. almost every day. Right, apart from the Mojo Mojo. That's just, good. just because to keep myself interested. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, actually, this is really different than the last tour. The last tour, everything was working perfectly. It sounded, I, I couldn't have been happier. Yeah. So I changed everything. Of course. Um, and uh, I've got the Super Drive, which I'm kind of digging. I haven't really tried it loud yet. Yeah. But I just did a Mr. Big album last week, mm -hmm. and it sounded great for that. So I've got high hopes for it. And it's got such a good logo with that you know, lightning bolt on it. Um, I've got a Voodoo Labs micro vibe for the kind of Robin Trowery. Which is such a good sounding pedal. I actually tried that by accident, because I forgot to bring my pedal board to a gig once. Yeah. And I borrowed somebody else's pedal board. They had that on there, and I'm like, man, this I love this, this uh, Voodoo Labs micro vibe. So I, I bought one, and the only problem was I didn't like the the way it looked. Just the somehow the colors, it was bugging me. So I I took 
Robin Trower's Bridge of Size album cover and <laughs> and put it in Photoshop, made it purple so it sort of matched my, yeah. my guitar, printed it out on a regular piece of paper and taped it to the pedal. So there's my... You know, my, my customized front. So now I can look at it and I don't go like, ah, it's, it's the wrong color. Yeah. I, I, I must admit, as we all know, uh, if you just pass me that little pedal oh, yeah. on, your, on your table here, because, you know, it's just, it is. It's all in the mind, isn't it? Find out more about well, this. Well, this one also sounds really good, but it, it, it's, it helps if it, if it looks good too. No, so that's, and then you've got, uh, I can't remember what the Callisto, oh, vibrato and chorus. It's, it's, it's a chorus. I, I, uh, I, I bought this one recently just from watching a YouTube demo because mm -hmm. I thought it was a nice sounding chorus. And in the, in the clinic tonight, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to try to do, um, I'm actually going to turn my Mojo Mojo off, use my Philosopher's Tone compressor and do... <laughs> Try to do an old police song yeah. with that real clean sound. It's just nice to have a. Uh, that kind of 80s clean, shimmery thing. That and great. It's, it's actually, not only does it sound good, but it's really quiet, even with mm. distortion. It doesn't have the hiss that, that choruses often have. And what I've discovered recently, I moved to Portland, Oregon, mm -hmm. and they're they're my neighbors. They make, they're they're there's, like there's a few pedal guys in yeah, Portland. Yeah, they're they? like two miles away from my house. So I went I went yeah. visited the factory a couple of weeks ago, and they had this um, Bell Epoch mm -hmm. like uh, Echoplex copy, and I th I think it sounds good, but I saw it on Eric Johnson's pedal board. Ah, well, there you and I'm like, if it he's using one, I got I got to get one of these. So. <laughs> You know, just get that little bit of yeah. slap that you, you, yeah. you hopefully don't even notice, but it just sort of makes it easier. It's not quite so dry. That's and, uh, cool. you know, when you do your... It has that little bit of slap that, that Eddie gets in the first album. So finally then, let's talk about this purple beast. Um, you know, I, I for years and years you played, and we'll talk about this as well actually. But yeah. you you played like the full size version of, of just essentially like a reverse right. headstock kind of the PGM three hundred and yeah. its variations. And I guess to a certain extent, you know, that's not a terribly out there guitar, is it? It's a pretty conventional yeah, sort a of pointy double strap. Cut. I love the painted on F holes. I always yeah. thought that looked cool. And then this crazy thing comes out, the fireman. Um, and this is in its what second revision now, I think, in terms of body shape, is it? Or, or? it's um, it's kind of the same, but it, it? It, it, I mean, the, the fireman has basically started as an Iceman. That's right. The, the you know the Paul Stanley guitar. Yes. Which I always loved. Right. Because you know Paul Stanley played with Cheap or uh, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick had yep. one on the back of the Live at Budokan album he's playing right. with, and uh, and so I always thought it was a cool shape, and I put it in Photoshop, flipped it upside down. Yeah. You know, you needed a hole cut out so you could get to the high notes. Yeah. And I and then I came up with the pick guard, the little thing that sort of matched, sort of the symmetry with the point. Yeah. And uh, initially, I had some the pickups were angled. Right. And so I've just been doing experiments with with different pickups and colors and that sort of thing. And uh, but the the one thing is on on these guitars, a lot of them had whammy bars. And recently, I've been playing just like stock mm -hmm. whammies, which is, I love the sound and feel, but. And the, and the tuning is surprisingly good with mm -hmm. the with the locking tuners, that, but it's not you know it's still not a locking system, yeah. so you have to be a little careful with the tuning. And uh, from doing a whole tour with that guitar, it was like I was in tune ninety percent of the time, but there would once in a while be that show where it's just like oh something a little out. <laughs> and so uh, 
you know, I, th I thought, well, Ivan is, is, is really, they, they probably have more experience than anybody with the, with the locking things because, you know, with their endorsers, yeah. Steve I and Satriani, those are like the premier whammy guys of, of, the, of the planet Earth. <laughs> so I thought, you know, Ibanez knows their whammies. You know, let's see if they can put one on a fireman. Yeah. And I forget why. It might have been because of the, the neck angle or because of the thickness of the body. But for some reason, they, they said they couldn't do it to the stock Oh, okay. Fireman, because I, I just said, why don't you take just a, a, a you know stock model and just yeah. put a, and modify it with a whammy? And they said we, we we have to actually change the guitar slightly to make it work. And and they said we'll do it, but we'll have to make you one from scratch. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, as long as you're making one from scratch, let it be purple. <laughs> I, if you've never seen uh, you know orange, yellow, and purple rocked quite so tremendously as it is here, I mean that that. I'm loving the fact on, as well. On Instagram the other day, there was an old oh. DiMarzio ad of Carlos Cavazzo from Quiet Riot. <laughs> I'm not the first. You're not the first. I'm not the first. I think it's a great look. And it works so well as well. I, I always feel like, you know, with a black t-shirt on with the sort of the gray and brown background. Can't even say it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll be back but, to black, but this is just, this you know, is, you, you get once in a while, you, it, it's spring, right. you know. So look, is it, oh no, and let's, let's you got, finally. You gotta hear this. Because this, this is, this will blow your mind. But this isn't just... This is, uh, this is very much part of your philosophy as well, isn't it? Of, of, of you know, taking guitar to, you know, getting more children engaged with playing guitar and, you know, encourage, making it easier for them to learn. Well, I have this one student on my school, and she's actually kind of a YouTube legend. Her name yeah. is Lisa, Lisa X. Right. Oh, yeah, Unbelievable, yeah. fast guitar. She's like 10 years old or something mm -hmm. and, and can play anything. And I, I met her in Japan, because she's a Japanese girl, mm -hmm. and she's... Not a tall person. Very, very small. Tiny little hands. And the just sort of the physically a person who's going to have a hard time getting their thumb over yeah. the neck. And as a teacher, that's what I want. I want her to be able to bend those strings and, and do it. Yeah. And, and she was playing, you know, a wide-necked Steve Vai model guitar. Yeah. And there's just no way it was going to happen physically. I mean, eventually she'll grow. Yeah. But even then, it's going to be a struggle. So, so um Ibanez actually made her a custom micro guitar with the skinnier neck. Amazing. And that became this. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's not only is it smaller this way for the horizontal stretches, but it's also smaller this Look way. Look at that, do that stretch again, what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> is that like an octave stretch? Well, let's, let's, let's make it musical. You know, if you, if you go. This thing with, with, I, I modified this one, so you know, normally it has the six strings. Yeah. I modified this with three strings, they're in octaves. So you can you can only do one lick, but it's such a good lick. You just stretch out, you know, you have the... stretching out a minor triad, and then you got. So it, it's the the intro of Inagata De Vita times you know a thousand. You can do the. get crazy arpeggios <laughs> again it's like only one or two licks but they're such good licks so live i put this on a stand yeah i have a little foot switch so i can switch between you know my normal guitar and this and i just go up and go wow. you know melt everybody's face and then it's fair play to ibanez as well because i think and i can't believe that you know the electric guitar is what 60 70 years old now <laughs> and really right up until 
you know, very, very recently, the idea was if you had a half size guitar or, or a reduced size guitar for kids, it would just be crap. You know, that they, they you know, it would just be yeah. like the only reason to make it would be to make it as cheap as possible. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think that many kids until they get to probably 12 or 13 years old are really truly comfortable with a, with a full size. Yeah, I guitar. mean, when I, when, I, when I started my first guitar was a short scale yeah. acoustic. I didn't right. know it was short scale, but I was yeah. really happy that it was because I could, I could manage it. But these are proper, you know, this new range of Ibanez micros. And if, and if the, you know, there's a couple of different styles. We, we were saying earlier, there's a there's a super cool Paul Stanley version of this oh, as yeah. well. And there's like regular RG ones and there's tons of different colors and stuff. But that's, this is a, this is not about making a cheap guitar, is it? It's affordable, but I, it's about I, making I love a it. proper I've been, I've been guitar. Using two, I've been using one, I set one for slide. Because and and they're real transportable. Like you, you know, I, I put it in a little you know acoustic tailor case. Yeah. I can fit two of them in there. Oh, is there, so there is no acoustic in there. Then? No, I use that for this. <laughs> I thought you were taking an acoustic with you, but it's just got two. So you can actually fit it. two of these Great. in one acoustic case. Right. And then on the plane, it's it's shorter, so you can fit it in the overhead. Yeah. Really easily, and uh, oh, and they'll, they'll let you do it because you know it's, it's a musical instrument. So I, I can bring like three guitars with me, you know, really easily. And and of course, if you set it up normal with with you know just normal tuning and normal six yeah. strings, the bending is just insane. I yes. mean, this isn't really set up for because it's got the weird strings. You know, I've got really I've got something really heavy on there. Yeah. But a normal normal set of tens or something, you could just you're it's like Uli Roth times a thousand. <laughs> it's like having a whammy in your hand. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, look. It's always, always a pleasure spending time with you. I'm really looking forward to that. We're doing a, a, a Paul Gilbert Masterclass tonight, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, if Paul's ever in a town near you doing these kind of things, make sure you go see him. Uh, I'll put links below to where you can find out about the teaching and anything else that you're up to for now. But um, thank you so much, sir. Great to it's see you, Lee. Thank you so much. Thank it you is. for the shirt. <laughs> Anytime, man. And the Anytime. Cable. Anyway, right. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to our latest podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit that subscribe button. See you next time.